Welcome to the Be Bold in Business podcast. My name is Samantha Hearn and I'm the host of this amazing channel. I wanted to bring you a place where you hear from myself and other amazing inspirational business people on their journey to the success they've created. I wanted to bring you the offline journeys to the online successes that we see on social media. I want to create a place where you hear the struggles people have been through, the challenges, the lessons they've learned, the mistakes they've made, so that you know that ordinary people can create extraordinary things every single day, and that it's totally possible for you too. The Be Bold in Business podcast is a place where you are going to hear real, genuine, warts and all stories from some of the most exceptional people in business and how they succeeded anyway. If you are ready to show up in your business, if you are ready to be bold, if you are ready to learn from your mistakes, if you are ready to bounce back and become more resilient, this is the podcast for you. And me, Samantha Hearn, I cannot wait to welcome you, support you, empower and inspire you and share with you the stories that sometimes don't get shared online and give you this real refreshing approach on how building a business sometimes can be hard, sometimes involves failing, sometimes involves struggle, but you can still succeed anyway. So welcome to the Be Bold in Business podcast, and I cannot wait for you to take your invitation to be bold in your business too. Um, People may know me in the past as Social Mouth Sam, as that's what I originally started as. Um, I've been through many transitions, uh, but now I am a life and business coach, a holistic life and business coach for entrepreneurs facing overwhelm, procrastination, and helping them to work better and live smarter. Amazing. (laughs) And I love that you have, that's why I didn't really want to say too much, but I'm hoping that we can maybe talk about the transitions and what you've done to, to continue to move and develop in your business. Because I think, in fact, we're just going to go straight in for it. I think so many people worry that if they are transitioning or they want to change their passion or redirect their business, that people will think that what they were doing wasn't working or they'll lose followers or people will stop enjoying what they're doing. So that is going to be my first question. If there is someone listening thinking, oh, you know, she's done it and she's pivoted and she's done this and she's moved the business and the message and it's still survived, (laughs) what can they do to overcome that as a limiting belief? Okay, so there's a couple of things. I think the first thing is that you um, you shouldn't ever worry about what other people are thinking. Even if it is a case that you're changing your business because it's not working, that's the beauty of being a small business is you're agile and fluid enough that you can pivot your business to go in the right direction you know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. It may be that you had this fantastic business idea you started doing it and you know, it just didn't work or you realized you didn't actually enjoy doing what you're doing. You know, at the end of the day, most of us have started our own businesses because we we want to love what we do for a living. So if something isn't working, first of all, sod everybody else and just focus on your own lane and what it is that you want to do. Secondly, I think what's kind of key to kind of bear in mind and certainly something that I bear or kind of kept in mind when I was pivoting my business is that I've always talked very much about how people buy into people and when you're a service provider, whether you're, if you, especially if you're a coach, it doesn't matter what area of coaching you're in. If people are, are seeing, getting a bit of an insight into your life, they will naturally go with the flow of your pivot. 
Now that's only obviously going to work if it's a pivot rather than complete change. Like if you're completely changing your business and going from doing one thing to doing something else, then you probably will lose followers because you've built an audience on one particular niche and then you're doing something else. So let's say I went from marketing consultant to dog trainer. Some of those people would have probably stayed with me because they had dogs. And then those who didn't would have been like, okay, see you, Sam. <laughs> and they'd have been off. And that's cool. Like, it's not Pokemon. You don't need to collect them all. That's, that's cool. Let people go. Oh um, my God, I'm writing that down. <laughs> I love that. That's going to be the title of your podcast. <laughs> Pokemon. You don't need to collect them all. I don't understand why people have this obsession with getting loads and loads of followers. It's, it, you, there's, there's no prize. I mean, the only prize you get is when you hit 10,000, you get the swipe up. But that really is it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I love that. Okay, so then I want to focus more on the overwhelm, the procrastination and the fact yeah. that that's like your zone of genius now and how you're supporting your yeah. clients. So many people that I speak to in my community, clients, past clients, you know, and I know it's the same for you because it's where your message lies now so strongly, will think that because they're not getting a million things done in one day, Mm -hmm. they're not going to be able to be successful mm -hmm. or someone else on social media has had this super productive day and it just looks like absolutely epicness and they're thinking I'm still in my pajamas and I just don't feel like it today or they are trying their best and for some reason it's just still not clicking yet Mm -hmm. they're the three biggest things that I think hold so many women back this the idea that they're not getting enough done Mm -hmm. The idea that what they're doing isn't as good as it could be, mm -hmm. or they're doing all they think they should be doing and it's still not working. In that situation, firstly, have you ever experienced that? And secondly, what would you explain or try and give an insight to people that are going through that to, to not allow that to win and consume them? I think a lot of it comes down to an element of the comparisonitis that so many people suffer with. And we've certainly all been there. I haven't really suffered with comparisonitis myself when it's come to work, but I've definitely suffered with it in terms of my personal life, like seeing other people's relationships, seeing other people's great figures, like things like that definitely have affected me. But with work for for some reason, maybe I am just different to other people, but I haven't suffered with it that much when it's, it's not ever paralyzed me or stopped me taking steps forward. I do obviously look at what other people are doing. Um, but for me, I believe that comparison can be used in a very productive way. So you can see what somebody else is doing. And this is what I try and encourage my clients to do is, you know, you can't just switch off from all the noise. Like it would be great, you know, if I just said, right, just delete Instagram, just delete it and never go on it. But you can't because you need it for your business. And you also need to keep an eye on the competition. Like that's business. Like there are no companies out there that don't look at what other businesses are doing. ASOS aren't like not looking to see what Topshop are doing, et cetera. Like that's just, that just doesn't happen. Um, but it's how you use it. So for me, if I see somebody else is doing something, um, I will, if it's a case of I'm thinking, mm, I should probably be doing that, or actually that seems to be working really well for them. I then think about what about it would work for my business and then pick out bits that I think would be beneficial. So if they introduced a lower price offering, and I think actually that would be quite good as an intro offer for my client base, then I will look at that. But there's a, we've got a terrible culture of, you know, 
you need to be hustling. You need to be getting up at four o'clock in the morning. You need to be listening to podcasts and reading books and working out and meditating and journaling. And then you're supposed to have taken your kids to school. And oh, by the way, you should be eating this super healthy balanced diet. And oh my <laughs> God, the pressure is crazy. Like loads of people, the amount of time people have said to me, oh, I bet you have this an amazing morning routine. And like you're a miracle morning person. Am I bollocks? I, I really, I can't do it. I've tried it. It's not for me. My dad's an entrepreneur and I asked him about it. And he was like, no, what a load of absolute millennial I can't even say what he said, but it, it, and I totally agreed. And he was like, no, that's, you know, you don't have to be doing all of that. So I think when it comes down to uh, remember that everything you see is often a highlight reel as well. And I know that's so easy to say, but a lot of what we see when people are banging on about their amazing days, um, I'm a big believer that if you have time to bang on about how amazing your day is and how everything's going, how do you have that time? Shouldn't you be investing that time running your business? It's a little bit like when we see on Facebook couples declaring their undying love for each other when they're sat next to each other on the sofa through statuses. Yeah. They're the people whose relationships I worry about. It's so and true. I, what is the benefit? I always say that. I say, what's the benefit of the message they're sharing? Mm-hmm. So when you're comparing yourself to someone that's done a bazillion things, yeah. what's the benefit so what are they are they trying to give you a positive or is it purely just a declaration of what what they have been doing they want external it's external validation they want people to say oh my god you're amazing look at what you've achieved today and they can and then that is they're probably in your shoes where they're thinking i haven't done enough or i'm not making enough money so they're putting that out there to say um, somebody praise me, somebody tell me I'm doing a good job yeah. and they're relying on their followers to say, oh my God, I wish I was as smart as you or I wish I'd got as much done as you. So they're unintentionally, I don't think people do it deliberately to upset others. They're doing it for their own selfish needs and that they need to be validated. I have never put out like my daily schedule on stories and I know a lot of people do it and I don't get why people do it, but it's not for me. One, I don't want people knowing every movement in my day. I find it a bit strange. Um, and I think about my security, privacy, boundaries, etc. But I don't, I don't personally need that external validation. The only person who knows whether I'm doing a good job is me and my accountant. <laughs> That's yeah. it really. Yeah. I think it's definitely also recognizing why we are consuming. So remembering that we choose what we are looking at online, Mm -hmm. even if we don't like to admit it. But if you find yourself following 10 entrepreneurs that do share their schedule, break down their day, talk about productivity, and it doesn't make you feel good, the real question is, why are you allowing that to be the consumption? Whereas you could be finding three entrepreneurs who always work out, work in their workout clothes or work in their pajamas or have those lazy days or share them them in bed doing their like, you know, scruffy getting up or whatever it might be. Yeah. where, Where is that choice coming from? Because I think that's important. There's a message for everyone, but if we're consuming content that makes, that triggers us to feel badly about ourselves. Yeah why are we allowing ourselves to do that? I think to a certain extent, and it's, it's quite a harsh term, but it's what I've, I've used with clients is it is almost like a form of self-harm. 
um, that we we want to punish ourselves um, because we don't think we're good enough. And I, when I do some sort of root work with customer, with clients and, and look at laddering and we kind of go backwards to work out what their core values are, it tends to be a case of the fact that they um, are not working in alignment with their core values. They uh, may be suffering with a bit of imposter syndrome. Mm. Um, and they're using this to feed the gremlin. They're using it to feed negative Nancy in the back of their mind to say, you're not good enough. Who are you kidding? Mm. And we all have a gremlin. Every single person has a gremlin. We've all had that negative voice. Um, but it is a case of trying to, to shut that down. And I think the c- consumption is exactly that. You are quite literally feeding your gremlin. You're giving your gremlin more and more ammunition to fire at you when you're having those low points and making you feel bad about yourself. Um, And I I really am an anti-hustle culture. It makes me really angry. uh, And I think it puts a lot of pressure on all of us. And I did get swept up in that when I first started. Like I was a big, um, I still love Gary Vee. Like I think he's great for marketing advice, but I do not sit well with his advice on the kind of hustle 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 culture i think it is almost like work until you drop dead and busy doesn't equal success i know that's a big slogan that goes around instagram but it is so it's so true though it's it goes along the lines with everything having a hundred thousand followers doesn't mean you're making any money exactly very can be a broke celebrity i went through a low at one point and my mum actually turned around and said to me you're a broke celebrity and I was like, that is quite possibly the most depressing thing I've ever heard. He was like, she was like, you know, you've got all these followers, but they're not c- turning into money. And I was like, um, okay. All right, mum. I know. She, she, she's a real big fan of the tough love. Yes. Big fan of the tough love. But she was right. Mm. And that, for me, that was when I immediately shifted the whole, I don't need lots of followers. I, I think at that point I had about 1,500, something like that. And I was like, right, that 1500, I need to work hard to convert as many of those into customers because she's absolutely right. What's the point in just gathering more and more and more of them Mm. if it's not making any difference? That's good, actually. That leads me into my next kind of thing. So I'd love for you to think of something that you would be happy to share around this, but a time where the struggle was real. I mean, let's just be completely honest. And that's the whole point of these interviews. None of us don't have those times where we break down and think, is this worth it? This is so hard. Like I just, ah, this is just, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't realize this was going to happen. I didn't know this was going to be the situation. All of that, you know, it's not, it's not realistic to, to think that even people listening this, will view the people on the other side, in this case, you and I, have yeah. never experienced that and still still don't. You know, like two weeks ago, I was sat on my sofa crying with my, with my husband saying, I, you know, I, I think I should just go back to teaching. This is so hard. The, the bigger the business gets, the bigger the challenges. And that's mm-hmm. like, I didn't sign up for that. I just wanted to not have to go to school every day, you know? So, yeah. And that's why I'm so passionate about the podcast because I, I really do genuinely want every single listener to know that even if you're in that that low and you're in that struggle it it won't and it doesn't always have to be that way things can change so has there been a time for an example I know you're laughing because you'll be like a billion but yeah an example that you think this is where I was and this is how I felt because of this and this is what I did to change it oh my god 
there are three that leap into my mind. The first was when I first started my business and realized I actually hated what I was doing, working for myself and didn't know what to do and had to say no to the money to like reinvent myself. The second was being trolled on Twitter after being accused of copying somebody else's Instagram course, um, which almost collapsed my business because it, I had to spend so much money on legal fees. They were, it was completely wrong. And I threatened to sue her for defamation of character because she was publicly trolling me. And thirdly was my husband walking out on me just after a rebrand and thinking, Hey, you know what? I think I might just throw my entire business down the toilet having spent best part of 15 grand on rebranding and I'm now broke. (laughs) Which would you like me to explore? <laughs> Sam, first of all, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, even I'm like, wow. That's the other thing. I don't prepare for these beforehand because I think I, I like to be in the energy of what the listener would be thinking. And I'm already, I know I can't pick one. I think we just have to do all three. Okay. Because I have clients that have been through breakups and really, really difficult times. I have had clients that have gone through the legal stuff mm-hmm. and I've had clients that are like, I don't actually like this. What the frick am I doing? And I know yeah. it's the same for everyone. So let's start with maybe, let's go in that order. Number okay. one, two, three. So when you started, yeah, what were you doing? And when did you realize, actually, I don't really think this is for me. Like, how did that happen? How did you think you'd love it? And then you didn't actually. Okay, so I worked um, in social media for a major retailer. I loved it, loved what I did, but I wanted to support independent small businesses with their uh, social media. And my plan was to leave, become an independent social media consultant, and I would manage small businesses' social media. Um, I left my job without really any kind of planning. I just handed my notice in and was like, I'll work it out as I go along. Uh, It was fine. I picked up clients. I was earning good money. Um, I didn't really niche. I'd work with any small business that wanted help, even though my plan was always to work with retailers. But for some reason, the panic of, I need money, um, just meant I took everything that came my way. And the- Only people can relate to that as well. Yeah, never never just take the money. Make sure it aligns with your, your values and your business. Otherwise, you will start to really resent what you do, which is what happened to me. And I had a very difficult client um who uh i had gone on holiday to copenhagen for a long weekend and while i was away it was before you could schedule to instagram and she liked me to post every day at five o'clock to instagram without fail and my plane was delayed my flight was delayed i was stuck in the air over five o'clock gmt and i wasn't able to post And when i got back i had like seven voicemails from her just swearing at me screaming at me telling me i was useless she was going to make sure I went bankrupt. Like she was just, she was a bit of a loon, I'll be honest. Um, And I should never have taken her on. Like I knew on that initial call. And I think we've all had that if you're a service business where you've had a client and you've had that moment of doubt before they even sign to work with you. And you're like, oh no, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And it's usually driven by the fact that you need the cash. Mm -hmm. And for me it was, and I should never have taken her on. And that's my fault. And that was a lesson learned, but I'd only been in business six months. So, you know, these things happen. And anyway, she fired me and then refused to pay me um, and wanted to, I ended up having to take it to small claims court. It all got quite nasty, cost me a fortune. I wasn't really earning enough to be, be taking on legal fees. And that for me was really when I thought, one, I don't think I'm cut out for this. I don't want to do it. To which my dad, bless him, being an entrepreneur, said, you, you really have to grow a thicker skin and a stronger backbone. Otherwise, working for yourself and being an entrepreneur will, will cripple you. Mm-hmm. And you, you have got to toughen up. 
and he, he was really harsh about it. He said, you know, what's happened is really unfair, but you have got to toughen up. Yeah. And he's, he's completely right though. And that is the one thing I can say to, to people who are on their journey and in the beginning is if things are breaking you quite easily, to a certain extent, you have just got to grow a thicker skin. And he actually said to me, which is one of my favorite sayings, it's not his, it's somebody else's, but he had said to me, if you're not pissing somebody off by midday, you're not making any money. And I was like, oh, I love that. I really love that. Because it's true, if somebody somewhere doesn't like you, which happened with my next story, then um, you probably aren't making any money. So at that point, and also I was finding a lot of the people I was working for wanted to know everything I was doing. Like I was doing their social media for them, but they also wanted to be taught about social media. And that was when I realized I actually preferred to teach rather than implement. Mm-hmm. And so that was my first business pivot was to go away from managing people's social media and become a mentor um, and started doing workshops. I wrote an online course, which leads into my next story uh, and uh, doing a lot of talks and taking on clients where I would teach them how to run their own social media and do their own marketing. Um, and that was my turning point really was I was, I really wasn't happy. I worked out how much money I had in the bank and worked out that I could afford not to work as in take on any paid clients for management for nine months before I would run out of money. And that's what I did. I decided to reinvent myself and build myself up as an expert online. Like I had zero Instagram followers at that point. and was like, I want to build myself up as an authority on how to use marketing for your independent retailer specifically, because that's what I'd actually wanted to do. Uh, and that was what I started doing. To be fair, there's so much to even just break down from that. (laughs) It's true, isn't it? Like, even if it's not that you don't necessarily love what you're doing, the challenge, like even what you said, taking on clients for the money rather than the alignment, Mm -hmm. allowing things to break you down way too easily. I have been there. Oh my gosh. I am the softest skin. My skin is like permeable. And when I first went into the, Luke was like, Sam, what on earth? You cannot be getting this upset all the time. It's not, you know, you can't run a business that way. But it's, it's, but I think it's important that everyone realizes that that's where everyone begins. Absolutely. Absolutely. You don't know know when that first like DM comes in or that first complaint or that first like problem, Mm -hmm. even if it's not even big, to you it's big because you've never done it before. No, it's. it can really cripple you and I think if you especially if you're in a a coaching and if you're a coach yourself you're probably more than likely a personality type that's an f so feeling person which tends to mean that we have our emotions slightly closer to the surface and we feel things a lot easier than others and I know that I do I'm a a crier like I can cry for all different reasons um but I take things very personally and I'm a high achiever which a lot of entrepreneurs are so until you're able to lean into that high achievement piece and use it to your advantage but don't let a setback cripple you and that's the problem when you start and I know for me a setback would not just set me back a little bit and then push me forward again it would set me so far back I would spiral down into the hole of self-pity and I'm useless and the imposter syndrome would come out and see and negative Nancy would be so happy she'd be in my head going see I told you I told you I told you having a party (laughs) Yeah, like, yes, she is a fraud. Now she knows. Um, And on that, how (laughs) on earth would you deal with the Twitter, with that? 
Oh. I think the actual story itself is obviously horrific, but I mean, how do you deal with someone saying things online that aren't true? As, as a, like a basic fundamental, like what do you, how do you get back from that and not then just feel so scared to just post online again? It was, I'm really honest, it was really, really hard. It was really, really hard. Um, and it, it took me, honestly, probably a year or so for me to actually kind of recover from it. It was unfortunate that it had happened at a very difficult time in my personal life. I'd recently been diagnosed with cancer. I just had surgery. And when I was coming, I was still in hospital um, and had come around for my surgery and had asked for my phone, as you do, and had all these text messages from friends going, mate, like, you need to get on Twitter. And I was like, what? What is going on? It was the worst possible time in my personal life. So to hit two lows together was extremely, extremely challenging. Um, and my now ex-husband uh, had to kind of take over dealing with it for me because one, I didn't actually have the physical strength to deal with it. And I was sobbing my heart out in my hospital bed. Like I've just lost everything. I kind of, it, it was a point where I kind of thought I wish I hadn't woken up. Because it was sort of like, that's not what you expect to wake up to. And I've got my surgeon saying, you know, surgery went really, really well. You're going to make a full recovery. Everything's fine. You don't need chemo. Everything's great. And there's me like, you don't understand. My business is falling apart. Like, let me out of the hospital. And it, I, I remember it so vividly. I remember sitting there just thinking my entire life was over. Um, and I, that was so dramatic. But it probably didn't help that I still had, you know, an aesthetic coursing through my veins, which makes most people emotional. <laughs> dramatic at all. I think that sounds like most people's biggest fear, someone online, you know, it is, and it is. It, and I think it's, it's a, it's a valid fear to have when you're in a space that you're fully exposed, but what made you, because there's two ways to go there. Mm -hmm. One this is not worth it. Like, I just can't do this. I know I'm a good yeah. person. So I'm just going to go away. I'm going to cancel everything. I'm going to just close everything down and I'm just going to go and get a job Yep. Um, because I don't want to do this. Yep. And then actually, this is so unfair. I'm a good person and yep. I have integrity in business and I want people to know Yep. what made you, I'm using the word fight, but I don't mean yeah. it kind of like aggression, but what made you not just say, I just can't do this my personal values are very much around truth and honesty and i thought if i closed everything down and disappeared one she'd won uh two everyone would think what she was saying was true mm. and that i couldn't have i couldn't go down and as, as maybe it's a sense of pride i couldn't have all these people on the internet <laughs> thinking um oh my God, you know, she's a fraud. She copied this person's course. Um, you know, she isn't who she says she is. Uh, and the thing she was saying about me had got very out of control. It had gone beyond just um, me copying her online course to the fact that apparently I was actually stalking her. And we don't even live geographically close to each other, but we're saying I was stalking her. And then she was saying that every part of my life was made up and I probably wasn't even married because no one had ever seen my husband online. But that was actually a boundary that I'd set that he didn't want to be part of the internet world. And it was, it was awful, but there was, there was two ways to deal with it. Either deal with it myself or go legal. Um, and I thought I don't really... One, I didn't have the strength, and two, I knew it would probably backfire is if I started putting myself forward online and saying, hey, hey, you're wrong. And I was too emotional, and I knew that that would probably spiral into um, 
potentially a slanging match which I didn't want to get involved in so I I remember being sat in the hospital um, and my ex-husband just saying to me what do you want me to do and I said I don't know and he said are you happy for me to take hold of this and he said because oh he was like steaming and he was just like we're gonna get a solicitor and he phoned my dad and was just like if we can't cover it will you help and he was like oh how how crazy are we going with this and he was like I don't know but this girl needs to learn needs to learn a lesson essentially that you don't do that to other people yeah so I got a solicitor. It did cost me a few thousand pounds. Um, and she wrote to, to this particular person and said, you know, this is defamation of character. You need to understand that what you're saying online, you need to understand there is ramifications for your actions. And, you know, you've got a very large, I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of followers, not just a handful. You have the ability to destroy someone's livelihood and she will sue you. Um, and I got a, a letter of apology and I had all the tweets removed and we haven't touch wood run into each other in the last three years online. So it was really difficult and it made me extremely nervous afterwards um, because I knew there was a lot of rumours going around. Uh, I did reach out to a few people that I knew had been caught up in it, putting my side of the story forward, just saying, I don't even know why I'm bothering to do this, but I know you're spreading the news. So I want you to know this is my side so you can make your decision as to whether or not you want to continue spreading and if you do and I find out you'll also get a letter (laughs) from my solicitor um and that did put a stop to it and I had a few people message me going I'm so sorry I don't know what made me think I should believe her but I guess it's because of the amount of authority she has because she has lots of followers Um, so it did take a while to recover from it, but I'm, I'm quite a resilient person. I've been through quite a lot of upheavals in my life um, and I've got bounced back from it, but I wouldn't say it was something that I just kind of brushed off um, and bounced back from. I think it's really important to, for people to identify with, no matter what it is, it all comes down to values. It, it all does. comes down to your values, not as an entrepreneur, not as a social media influencer, not as an online blogger, whatever it is your values and if truth and honesty and that integrity is something that you value mm-hmm. it, it it's about making sure that you just put yourself forward to have that rectified whatever the situation because if that was an offline situation and someone said you'd stole from tesco's or yeah Mart or whatever you yeah. would obviously go to the security guards and say well i didn't check me yeah, it's a, it's a, if you were to really put it into basic terms, open up my pockets, I haven't got anything. So I think it's about making sure that people don't view the online world as, as kind of indestructible. It's no. something that you can totally say, take my pockets, I haven't done that. And you just have to find a way. And if it is legal, whatever it is, values really matter. And I think that that's, that's something that people, I would say potentially would be scared to to stick by in that situation because they've never done it before. Mm-hmm. So they think even though I have these values, I don't know my rights or my boundaries. It's not in real life. And is it just then hearsay and all of that? So the best advice, which is exactly what you've done is know your morals, seek advice and just stand by the person that you are, whatever the online situation Definitely. And I think, I mean, a lot of it comes down to your personality type as well. So I'm an INFJ, which is the advocate. We fight for what is right. And I will fight for what is right on behalf of any of my friends. Like, you know, we are the campaigners, we're the politicians to a certain extent. We're the ones that stand on orange boxes, screaming in squares. We want people to listen. Um, And for me, I was supporting myself 
it was that part of me that was saying I wanted to defend myself because I hadn't done anything wrong Mm. um but also I thought even if this does cripple my business and it didn't at all and that's what's really important to know as well it had no actual effect in the end on my business I had a bit of a lull and maybe some of those people who we had crossed over followers wise decided not to work with me but it I actually came back so much stronger from it um if anything my business took off after that point because I had I think I'd suddenly grown a backbone and a thicker skin and it was a case of I yes I had to pay for a solicitor yes that person had to get a letter but I won and that gave me this renewed sense of determination of you didn't cripple my business you wanted to cripple my business this is backfired in your face Mm -hmm. and I'm going to make this a success and I think it was probably coupled with the fact that I had been unwell yeah you think it's like newfound yes a bit unbeatable now exactly that and that is exactly what happened and I had this sort of new sense and then this time around like my husband leaving um and having to go through all of that it's happened again where I've kind of I went really low and now I've come out the other side and my business is doing better than it has ever done um significantly better than it has ever done because I it's changed me as a person but it has reconnected me to my values and I do feel to a certain extent unbreakable now or to the fact that no matter what sets me back I will always come out stronger and that's why I ended up moving into life coaching is because I think to a certain extent with life coaching doesn't matter how many courses you've done or how many accreditations or how many books you've read or even if you've learned from the best guru in the world a lot of it comes from your own personal experience I 100% attend to that 100% people that have been through it are the best life coaches that there are if you if your life has the mirroring of someone that you are helping that that is where the magic happens i want definitely i will i could not agree with you more on that and although the the story with you and him is totally that is your personal journey one question i do want to ask for some of my really close members that i know their stories mm-hmm. um and I know there'll be other people listening that are in similar situations. When something like that happens, mm-hmm. and it's such a huge part of your life, yeah, it will in your identity. You know, yeah. you're, you're two halves of a whole for so long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of people that I know and are, are in contact with about it has had a real challenging effect on them wanting to show up. And then yeah. wanting to to be in business because they feel at this point, which you will have been through, which is why I'm asking the question. At the point yeah. they're at, they feel like ev- they're questioning everything, like yeah. who they are, where their life's going to go, and they're almost sort of saying, "I don't care about the business; I care about my future. Like, am I now going to be on my own forever? Am I going to have what, what I want for my life?" let alone my business so do I need to pause the business and sort myself out I say with speech marks and they're in in that bit and it's so refreshing even before I asked this question that you've said you've come out stronger the business is better you've got this unbreakable feeling but that's definitely not I would imagine how you did (laughs) no what 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 would you say to that person okay so 
it's, you know, it's a difficult, it is a really difficult one. Um, I did take a bit of a pause to mm. a certain extent. So I relaunched my business on the 21st of January, 2019. My husband walked out on me on the 10th of February. Um, and it was all a very difficult time. Um, he didn't tell me why he was leaving, just that he was depressed and he left. And then I subsequently found out a couple of months later after getting a phone call from his mistress that he'd been having an affair for 18 months, which was heartbreaking. Um, just after I'd come off air on Channel 5 News, which was my career highlight speaking live on the news. <laughs> Talk about the, the best and worst day of your life. Um, I had relaunched my business, was working with, had brought on board um, a selection of other experts, which I called the Co's, and had had plan for a year as what we were going to be doing. And we were going to be working together. They were going to be doing monthly um, Facebook Lives with me, contributing blog posts. I couldn't just walk away. If I didn't have that, and it had been like the year before, I would have. I'm not going to lie. I would have just shut down and disappeared. I couldn't because contractually I had people depending on me mm. and I'd also spent all of my profits. And that was one of the things that made me so angry about my relationship breakdown is that he knew what I was doing and that I had poured all my money into it. And it was a case of you will be paying the mortgage. You will be supporting us because I'm going to pour all my, I'm not taking a salary. I'm not taking my dividends. I'm going to pour all my profit into my business. And he was like, yep, yep. Totally on board. Totally on board. Cheers. Thanks for that, mate. Um, so <laughs> I couldn't just shut down. Um, I coasted through most of 2019. I'll be honest. I did the bare minimum. I had two friends that were also co's that supported me enormously um, with helping me keep my shit together, basically. Um, and I just worked with the clients I had. I did nothing active to look for new clients. I did, to a certain extent, disappear offline. But I showed up just enough to put a front on mm. because I knew that he and her were watching and I didn't want them to see that they'd broken me. I didn't want anybody to see that I was broken. Um, and it took until later on in the summer for me to actually be honest with my audience. I'd lost uh, a significant amount of weight. I'd lost the best part of two and a bit stone and had absolutely plummeted to virtually nothing. And people were concerned I was unwell, as in that there was something seriously wrong with me. And I realized I had to kind of address that because also I was thinking, if people think that I'm really ill, like I have like a terminal illness or something, are people going to want to work with me as a client? Like, you know, I, I really sort of, that were all the things that were going through my head. So I, um, I kind of got to the August and... I'd finished with all my clients and I actually went and worked in the yoga studios for six weeks, just on reception. I desperately needed routine. I needed to socialize because I was avoiding everybody. Um, I just didn't want to see anybody because uh, as soon as someone would say to me, oh, how are you? How are things with you know, the, the, my ex? And I'd be like, <laughs> and I would just break down. Um, and I suddenly got this terrible like agoraphobia of being around people. So I forced myself by getting a minimum wage job, working on reception in a yoga studio for six weeks, which was exactly what I needed. Because in that six weeks, one, I was surrounded by people that shared my spiritual and yogi lifestyle that I love. Mm -hmm. um, and it also made me realize I really didn't want a minimum wage job. <laughs> and I really wanted to go back to running my business, but it needed to be different to what I was doing. And my friends were saying to me, if you put as much attention into your business as you are to this bloody receptionist job, 
imagine how much money you'd be making, Sam. And I was like, yeah, I suppose I, I need to go back to work. So for those who are kind of in a similar situation, go with what your heart thinks you should do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there is a right or wrong way of dealing with it. It is essentially grief that you go through. Um, I had counseling, which didn't help. Um, I had a coach which helped massively. Uh, but ultimately it is grief and everybody grieves in different ways. Just because that person's not dead doesn't mean you're not grieving for a loss. I was grieving for the life I thought I was going to have. I was grieving for the life I thought I'd had that was actually all lies. Um, it was hard. It was really, really hard. Um, and you know, I'm still going through it to a certain extent, you know, it's over a year down the line now, but I've got to sell my house this year. That's another upheaval. Um, and I think the big push for me with my business was a case of, I don't have a second income in my house anymore. I have to sell my house cause I can't afford it on my own and it's obviously co-owned. So we have to sell. Um, I can't afford to buy in London on my own. So I'm going to have to move. And that's been huge, massive changes, but it's, it's been a work in progress to work out what it is that I want to do with the rest of my life. And that has ultimately re-anchored me back to my values and what is important to me. Um, and one of my values is freedom and it's freedom of financial independence as well. And I'm excited to earn my own money, to buy my own home and to have things that can't be taken away from me because up until this point, everything I had could be taken away because I was running my business for my money. It was just pocket money. I mean, whatever I earned was my money. My ex was the one responsible for paying the mortgage, paying household bills, et cetera. And I paid for holidays. Like it was cushy. And then all of a sudden it was, Oh, I actually need to be earning money that pays for stuff. Yeah. This is serious. This is really, really serious. And I was in a place last year where, you know, people around me, who weren't entrepreneurs who don't run their business were saying, Sam, I think you need to face facts. You're going to have to go and get a proper job. And I was like, I do have a proper job. Stop calling it a proper job. And they were like, yeah, but it's, it's not, you know, the mortgage company wouldn't even look at me. And I was like, Oh, this is quite challenging. So I think you've got to lean into what feels right to you. And if you do want to take a pause and you don't want to show up online, don't show up online, mm-hmm. but understand that there will be a knock on effect. Yeah. And there was a knock-on effect for me. I felt like the, the cricket that had sung, sung all summer. Um, and it just meant that I had to work really hard at the end of last year and the beginning of this year to get myself back. And it's paid off dividends. And I've been honest with people about what happened. Yeah. And that's probably been the most powerful thing is because people do buy from people. And people can relate and say, well, I think it's a bloody miracle. That that's all it's taken for you to bounce back. And I'm like, really? I feel like I yeah, moped for I, too long. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> you're telling us i'm not holding back tears in my story like i i'm very i'm very led by my emotions and i'm you know and it, i all the thing that i appreciate most about that story apart from your like brutal truth of the whole situation is the fact that it it wasn't that you didn't want to do this anymore you just needed a break yeah i couldn't see the wood for the trees yeah but I could see the end of the day, let alone what the next day was going to hold the next week, the next month. Like I was completely paralyzed with fear. And the fear is something I've, I'd like, I've never suffered with anxiety before. And last year I, and now I'm, I do have really bad anxiety. 
Um, and I do suffer with a mood disorder now, which unfortunately has been as a result of an extended period of severe stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I'd known he was having an affair, it was denial that unfortunately had some pretty significant effects on, on me. And now I have a, a mood disorder and it's, it's had long lasting effect on me. And that's all been something that I have to manage in addition to the new direction of my life. But if I could have run away, I would have, if I didn't have a dog and I didn't have the responsibilities, I think I probably would have just packed my bags and left the country, but my dog stopped me from going Mm. (laughs) more than my business. (laughs) But it does, doesn't it? I think, yeah, since I've got a dog, I can understand that so much more. But the other thing that I think is really important in this whole number, there's so many things I want to say and just unpack from the situation, but number one yeah, none of us are superhuman. We're not. Like, you know, people look online, and I, I and that's why, like, even this morning, which obviously you're not listening to this in real time, but my boiler's not working. I've shared it on my social media because, like, I, I always want to be that person that says, and like yesterday, I walked my dog in my pajama bottoms. Love and I it on my stories, and they're bright pink, checkered, because I thought, as well as me sharing all the things that I'm doing that are you're looking at, thinking that all of these things are going well. I do want you to have not everything. I'm like you. There's quite bad. There are a lot of boundaries, yeah. but for that, I think you need to know that that's what's happened on my Monday morning. I can't wash my hair and I can't have a shower, and it's not to the extent of this by any means. <laughs> but the fact that people have a perception that you have lots of followers, yep. you've got a nice Instagram feed, it's yep. very on brand, life's perfect. Yeah, and behind that, a whole array of shit is getting chucked at that wall. <laughs> And there is no window and you're like where is the glass yeah but even in amongst that story you're telling people that you knew two things stood out for me actually number one you knew that there would be a knock-on effect on your life so yeah. you already had such an impact on your success your life you everything if if he then carried on winning you know when you were saying i, I showed up because i didn't want him to think i'd won if he carried on winning it's your business that would suffer not him totally totally that and it was my um my gp and my divorce lawyer were the ones that gave me the hard truth my gp said to me i'm not giving you any more medication because she had given me enough medication because anxiety was so bad and then i'd gone back wanting some more diazepam and she was like no you need to get an estate agent you need to get a solicitor and you need to get a grip and i was like I'm pretty sure as a gp you're supposed to be nicer to me than that and she was like and she put her hand on my leg and she said i'm talking to you woman to woman Mm. not as your GP right now, get an estate agent, get your house valued, get a solicitor and get a grip, Sam, come on. You are so much better than this. You're going to lose everything if you carry on like this. Don't let him take everything from you. And I remember just being sat there being like, why won't you just give me more medicine? I just want to be like medicated right now. And she was just like, I'm not giving you any more because this is not the person you are Mm. not having this. And my solicitor had said to me, don't let him take everything from you you know, a a divorce is one thing, but you have the potential, you're a smart, smart woman. You have the potential to be something that he will regret losing for the rest of his life. Do it for you. Come on, you can do this. And my friends are all the same. And that was, I think, what started to sort of spur me on with, yeah, you're right. I I, I am only 34. Yeah, you're right. I, I have the rest of my life. Like, and everyone gets into me, be glad you didn't have kids. Like, be really glad because then you'd have been tied together forever and that was what started to really kind of push me and people saying get yourself back out there go on a date nothing has to happen go on a date 
I went on a date. I met someone. We've been together nine months now. Like, it's crazy. Oh, went, my God. <laughs> I went on one date just because I wanted some male attention and to feel good about myself. I met someone that I clicked with in a way my husband of eight years and I never clicked. Oh, my like, God. I'm so excited. Like, literally, I feel like <laughs> podcasts. They're going to be in their car. They're going to be like, come on, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's been amazing. I've met someone who I absolutely adore. I never thought would oh be possible. Oh my God, that is amazing. And I don't think it's a rebound, as a lot of people were really concerned about, because we've been going like nine months. Things are amazing between us. I've made plans now that once my house sells, I'm going to move to Brighton. It's somewhere I wanted to live 10 years ago. I can't believe ago. you said that. In my head, when you said about not living in London, I thought of Brighton. How weird is that? There you go. That's where I'm going to go. That's my plan. Um, and then we'll see what happens between me and my hot man. <laughs> you know what? Do you know what? Even this isn't even like a, a relationship podcast, but <laughs> that that is success, isn't it? It's like yeah. in the epitome. You're in the, the depths of despair. The person that you think is gonna be your forever. Same yeah. business, you start a business and think it'll be the forever, and then you pivot. You change, you let things go, you rebrand, you find someone new, you experiment. All And now you've got a business that's better than ever and you're with someone that you actually feel so happy oh, to be with. So happy. Like, oh it's my crazy. God. You don't realise, like, I met my ex when I was 24, 25. And you change a lot as a person in that yeah, time. Sure. Um, and we... I'll be honest, I look back now, it's very easy to look back on things. We never clicked fully. It was like kind of a bit, like slightly off. It was always slightly off, but we made it work until it didn't I work anymore. You're puzzling and you try and force it in the piece even though you know it's not the right one. But yeah, and it kind of looked all right. It looked fine on the outside, but I think we both knew we were slightly misaligned. And unfortunately, what happened, happened. Um, you know what else though that makes me think of? For anyone that's listening, and I know that this has been more than 40 minutes, but to be honest with you, I'm freaking love it. <laughs> I'm so <You're> sorry. <laughs> it's my fault. I'm literally like, tell me your entire life. <laughs> and I think that this is, that's the whole point of this. There are no rules. And if someone's listening, it's because they need it. And that's the whole point of this. This is about telling real stories, offline stories to the online success. That's what's in the intro. I want to bring you offline stories, the online success. But the thing that stands out for me in this, when you started telling this, those first three stories, even 20 minutes ago, no one listening, including me, would anticipate that in 20 minutes time, in nine months later, but we're doing it in these time chunks, this would be where you are. So if someone had, had said three years ago, right, all of these things are going to happen to you, you'd be like, absolutely, I'm going to go into a cave. Like that is just, I'm not, what on earth? Please do not do that. I'm going to just press pause. And the fact that now you fast forwarded and you're going to move to a new place, a new, a new town with so much opportunity. You've met someone new, your business is rebranded and it's actually lights you up. Yeah, so much. That, that should be enough for people to realise that even when you're in that hole, the tunnel, that, the shit storm, and you're in that moment, yeah, it will always clear. Yep. You never know what's around the corner. That one date, you never know. That one post, that one live, that one whatever it might be in your life, you never know the impact that it can have on your life. Absolutely. I mean, I'm a firm believer that the universe will take over. And I, you know, the the guy that I'm seeing now, um, he had said to me, you know, as much as I'd really like to punch your ex's lights out for what he did to you, um, I could also give the guy a hug. 
And I was like, pun. And he's like, because if you hadn't done that, you were never going to leave. Yeah. You weren't happy, but you were quite happy just moseying along and just dealing with it. You were never going to go. Yeah. And if that means you and I would never have met. And I was like, this is all a very valid point that you have. Like, this is all very valid. Um, and it's a difficult one. And I've only just been thinking about it myself. Like, if someone said to me, to be where you are now, you have to go through what you went through. Um, if I had the choice, would I have gone through it to get to where I am now? And as horrendous as the last couple of years were, like, I can't even put into words how bad it was. Um, would I go through it again to be where I am now? I think I probably would. Like wow. I would be prepared to wear that hardship again because I know what's on the other side of it. Oh my um, God, that is, that is a big thing for me to say, to be honest, because I know how bad things got last year. <laughs> yeah, but that is so empowering for people to know that even like there's always more to come. There's always more to come. Oh yeah, definitely. And do you know, there's a, there's a funny thing. I'm a big believer in manifestation. And I used to, well, when things were really bad with me and my ex, I used to listen to the same manifestation every night and would listen to this meditation. Um, and she would, you know, you would imagine yourself as the person that you love doing something. And I used to imagine me and my ex were dancing in the kitchen. And I don't know why, we'd never, ever done that, ever. But I would imagine we were cooking a roast dinner and he would take my hand and twirl me around in the kitchen. He never, ever did that. When I started dating my new guy, uh, I think probably maybe we'd been dating maybe four weeks and he came over and we cooked a roast and randomly he took my hand and twelved me around in the kitchen and I burst into tears. Oh and he was just God. like, why are you crying? And I just said, you have absolutely no idea how long I've waited to feel the way I do right now. And I did. I just, I was flooded with this feeling of this is where I'm supposed to be. This oh, is what so was supposed to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's all getting emotional now but it oh, did so cute and I listened to it every day for probably 18 months and I couldn't believe it I honestly couldn't believe it when he just randomly took my hand and twirled me around the kitchen and said dance with me and I was just like oh my god <laughs> random though was it wasn't random you'd, you'd manifested that oh I had god. it was just with somebody I hadn't even met um, but it, yeah, little things like that have happened. There's been quite a few things that have happened that have been things that I thought were going to happen with the ex that have happened with, with this person, which has made me realize that this is where I'm supposed to be. And I think when you know you're on the right path with your life, you feel calm. There's yeah. a real calmness. And when I met, um, Adam, I, um, there was no crazy butterflies. There was no crazy silly, you know, the silliness that you can get when you meet someone. And he said he, he was the same. We just had this overwhelming calmness and he felt like suddenly everything in his life had clicked into place and everything in my life had clicked into place. And we were just both on the same path running next to each other. And it was amazing. Um, and I had a tattoo done of a, a lotus flower because lotuses grow from dark places. And I said to him, well, you know, you're the son that helped grow the lotus and he said no I'm a lotus right next to you and I was like oh my god this is like it's too cute for words I know but it's little things like that you know you don't know what's going to be on the other side of the shit oh. um, and keep going through it no matter how dark things get and things got very 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 dark for me very dark and I really genuinely didn't think there was going to be a way out of where I was I was so so unhappy um but 
I'm so glad that things changed for me then and I am where I am now. So wherever you are in your life or your business, know that the sun will shine. It's coming. You've just got to keep going through the shit and everything you go through will make you a better person, a better businesswoman, a better mom, a better sister, a better friend, a better wife, better girlfriend. Like it yeah. will make you a better person because I have fundamentally changed so much as a person. Um, I'm so much calmer. I very little flustering. Yeah. It's, it's just one of those things now. If someone pisses me off, I'm just like, is it worth the argument? Probably yeah. not. And I will cut people off toxic relationships, toxic friends. They just, everyone just gets the cut now. Um, and I feel I make better business decisions because of it. Because I know what I want for my life and where I'm going. And I've also dumped a, the long list of shit that I had of stuff that I thought I should be doing because other people online were doing. Like I should run retreats and I should be, oh, the, the should list was ridiculous. Yeah, and I've just yeah. crossed them all off now. Like I don't want to run retreats. So there's a disclaimer. I'm never going to run retreats because they're not for me. They're not something I want to do. But I thought I needed to do that because other people do it. Mm. And now I know what I want to do. I know how much I want to earn a year. It's not stupid money. Um, and I feel so much happier now I'm doing what I want to do, not what other people wanted yeah. me to do. That's so powerful. Maybe I, I would say actually then the two tasks that people should do as they come to a close of this is write down what they actually want to earn a year, not what they think they should based on everything they see online. And totally. And the should list and cross off anything that you don't actually feel excited by and you're only doing because you think you should be doing it. Absolutely. And that's something that I use a lot with my clients is, is stop, stop shooting all over yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's about living in alignment with your version of success, not your peers, your partner. It's what you want for your life. And, you know, I used to have six figure salary written down. I wanted a team of people. I wanted office space. I wanted all these things. And I've realized I don't want any of that. None of it. I actually said to my coach the other day, he's like, should we look at your, like, your big goals that you want to work towards? And I was like, yeah, I don't want any of those things. And he was like, really? And I said, really, I don't. And he said, oh my God, I'm so glad that you've come to that realization yourself because I was starting to really wonder why you had this list of stuff that you wanted to achieve when they're not things that are in alignment with me. Yeah. So the salary thing's a big thing because if you can write down what it is that you've- my life since I've done that. <clears throat> yeah, because you, then you do stuff that goes towards that salary. Yeah, 100%. I thought similar, you know, and we could maybe do a hundred podcasts on this, but I did a, I, I was thinking, oh, you know, I need to become a millionaire. I need to do what everyone's doing. I need to become a millionaire by the time I've been <laughs> five years, all of these things. But I sat and sort of stopped to myself and I thought I want to do let my motto for this year for 2020 is do less and do it better. Love that. So I've actually only got, and I've mapped out, I've mapped it all out. I'm doing three launches in the whole year. I'm Brilliant. doing four events in the whole, in the whole year. And anything else is a bonus. I'm doing no online courses. I'm doing no um, online workshops, nothing like that. Stripped it all back. And I'm still making way more than I would as a teacher. But I'm not, I'm not killing myself to be able to put myself in a bracket of people where if I got there, I, I, I like my life. And similar to you with where you are now, you know, I'm, I'm happy with my life. And there has been things for me that have throwing me under the bus hugely but I think it, is that going to change that is that accolade that I'm working towards actually going to change my life or is it the quality of life that I want you know like realistically 
to become a millionaire, you're going to have to have a team. There's a lot of outgoings. You're going to have a lot of automation, a lot of funnels. There's going to be a lot of systemizing, a lot of working outside of when you want to be working, a lot of delegating, a lot of all of those things. Now, I do that on a much smaller scale, but do I want that? Do I want to just become a head teacher, but not in a school? Not really. I couldn't agree with you more. And I've done exactly the same. I've stripped back so much this year. So I closed my Facebook group on Friday. That I've oh spent- my God, I closed my Facebook group in January. <laughs> <laughs> right. So this is exactly it, isn't it? It's a should. Yeah, oh, you won't be a success if you don't have a Facebook group. I don't have the energy, the inclination, or the interest anymore in running my Facebook group. Facebook took away the ability to do guest lives. They made the decision for me. It's gone. It's closed. Yeah, yeah. My podcast is on pause while I work out what it is I want to do with oh it. Oh my God, I paused my podcast for six months. Yep, there you go. I think mine will probably be a good six months, maybe a year while I work out what I want to do and how it's going to pay for itself because I've put way too many hours into it and that's got to stop. Mm-hmm. And I've stripped my business back. No more workshops no online courses. I just want to powerfully serve clients. No more group programs, no more accountability groups, all these things I thought I needed to be doing. I'm done with it. There are loads of other people out there doing all of that. Knock yourselves out. It's not for me. I'm not your competitor. So you'll be glad to know there's one less in the pool. Oh, it's great. And now my days are all I have to do is write my newsletter. I love writing my newsletter now. I've gone back into really enjoying it. And I get emails back saying, oh my God, we're literally like the same person. I've just relaunched my email and now people are replying and they're loving it. Exactly. There you go. Because we're living in alignment with what we want to do. We're in our flow state. And that's the best thing ever mm-hmm. is when you get there, strip away the crap. And I, I urge everyone listening to write down every single thing you do for your business, all your marketing, everything, yeah. and work out, what actually makes you money and then what you enjoy. So I get my clients to do a one to 10, 10 between, so you do two columns between one and 10 of how much you enjoy doing it, how much excites you and between one and 10 as to how much money it makes you. So 10, it's my main, like it makes me a lot of money. There will be things that will be like, "Mm, I don't really like doing it, but it makes me lots of money. How can you make yourself enjoy it? How can you enjoy it more? And then there will be things that make you no money that you love doing. And it's like, "Mm, you're going to need to work out how to make that make you money. I love doing my podcast. But I don't have a sponsor. So if I'm going to bring it back, I have to get a sponsor this time around because this has got to stop. It's a waste of hours. So yeah, I think you and I are very much aligned on this. Of, we should go for dog walks. We should. Yeah, this is like the, honestly, I think this is the year of stripping back for a yeah. lot of people because we have just been fed so many bloody Facebook webinars um, and so much bollocks that has forced us into thinking we need to be doing all these things to be successful i'm telling you now i will make more money this year than i've ever made in my business without all of that shit so you you can do do it 100 percent, and you have to do what aligns for you because some people love doing everything and it lights them up and some people won't some people love facebook some will love youtube whatever it is but exactly yeah oh my god i love that well obviously i could continue this for a while (laughs) now plan our dog dates but absolutely um I'm going to leave your Instagram yes, on the show notes so people can like stalk you there. I want it to be really easy for people to find the person. Yep. Is it okay if that's the place they go? 100%. Instagram is where I hang out. So come find me on Instagram. Perfect. I'd love that. I'll put that in there. And then um, honestly, Sam, thank you so much. On, I can't explain. I already know how many people will be empowered and touched by your story. And I do. I'm so bad for things like this, but I do. I I really do appreciate you being so open and honest with us because I think it's something that is my huge passion this year. I really want people to know that 
through the depths of the darkness you can keep going and I think you're the epitome of that and I'm just really glad that you've shared your story with us so thank you you're you're so welcome you know at the end of the day you go through things I think if you can share your story with somebody else and you can help one other person that's that's all that matters to me and if there's one person listening crying thinking oh my god how does she how does she know this how does she know that this is what I'm going through I want reach out to me on Instagram like I'm totally open like just please do reach out to me I'm more than happy to have a chat with you you know I'm not going to charge you for it or anything just like reach out to me on Insta and we'll, we'll have like a little DM convo um uh, so yeah I'm thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share my story and sure. have others oh thank you so much you're welcome <laughs> Running a business can be hard and running a business alone as a solopreneur is even harder. If you are fed up of figuring it out on your own, making mistakes and struggling alone, trying to learn as you go, taking one step forward and feel like you take two steps backwards, there is always more that we can learn together. The BMA is the place for you. I'm extending a warm invite for you to join the place for female entrepreneurs to support and empower one another, to seek high level coaching and mentorship from me, and to have access to invaluable resources, templates, and worksheets for you to succeed, scale your businesses, and grow together. As an affordable, low investment every month, the BMA couldn't be more perfect for you. The Bold Moves Academy is focused at coaching female entrepreneurs in what they need most to accelerate their business and make the progress they deserve. Building a successful business doesn't have to be lonely and it certainly doesn't have to be complicated. I can't wait to see you inside the BMA today.